You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to bring you the best moments of our Super Bowl 52 coverage from Radio Row in Minneapolis. So now let's take you to Minnesota. Pleased to be joined by a Hall of Famer, Andre Tippett, the former Patriots linebacker who joins us on behalf of K Jewelers. Andre, great to see you. I'm sure this has been an exciting day as you get to soak in the excitement of the Super Bowl. Let's go back to when you played in the big game, Super Bowl Twenty. We know it didn't work out on Super Bowl Sunday. Felt like the Super Bowl shuffle started early that day for the Bears. But take us back to your experience getting ready to play in that Super Bowl. First, I want to say thank you to guys, both of you guys for having yeah, me on. No it, it, it's awesome to see you both. Um, you know, I, uh, I have an older daughter that lives out in Chicago. So every time I fly out there to see her, you know, I walk through the airport with my chest out and my fist up because I'm thinking somebody's going to call me out and, and remind me of that game. So I still walk in there mean with my fist balled up, man. I never know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it, you know, we, we, we talk about that game and I'm the first one to take my hat off to the Chicago Bears because I don't think anyone would have been able to beat those guys. They could have put together an all-star team. Arguably and the greatest team they, of all time. They were fit to be tied. They brought it to another level and uh, I don't think we competed at the right level that we needed to compete against these guys. Yeah, you think about that Bears team. I mean, having Walter Payton, you had the fridge. I mean, when you look at those types of players in its era in that time, when you look at these teams that we're seeing coming up this weekend in Philadelphia and New England, give me the guys on, let's talk about the New England Patriots, on that side that really brings that type of moxie uh, to a game of this magnitude to where you have to respect him when actually playing against them. Well, you know, you, you, you can go uh, up and down the roster. I mean, obviously the quarterback sets the tone for how he works and, and how he competes. And then you talk about the tight end. And, you know, the tight end is a monster. I mean, I, when I played, I think the heaviest tight ends were in my day were 240, maybe 235, yeah. 240. This cat's 270, Robert, 280, yeah. <laughs> and 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I'm trying to throw him around. Um, you know, you talk about uh, 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 Gronk. You know, just those two guys alone uh, and, and, and their ability to compete and raise the bar is, is amazing. Uh, defensively, I mean, those guys are still uh, learning out, learning who they are. I mean, you can talk about names and, 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 and throw things out there. The one thing that you can say about the defense is in the beginning where they were and the, and the things that they did and how they got better is, is, is probably one of the hugest, hugest, hugest things that you probably ever want to talk about this year for the Patriots. Uh, they figured out a way to figure this out and, and raise the bar. And doing without Dante Hightower. And doing it without Julian Edelman. So the game is yet to be played. But if they win it with this cast, is this one of their more impressive accomplishments? Absolutely. It would have to take it to another level. I mean, here it is. It just goes to show it doesn't matter who uh, Belichick has on the team. If guys are willing to commit and, and, and work hard and work a little harder to get better, anybody can have a shot. You think we ever see a quarterback head coach tandem? tandem like these two and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, whether it was in your era when you played, time after that to even now or maybe down the road. I mean, that is a couple 
in, in a marriage, let's just say, in, in, in mm-hmm. the world of sports, that goes into a that transcends into basketball. Let's think of Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan, right? right? Like in basketball, that's or Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich, right? right? Okay, so but when you look at it in the National Football League, has there ever been anything like this before? Just in sports in general, there hasn't. There hasn't. I mean, these guys are making history. They they have been making history for a long time. And uh, this year is no different than it's been in the past. Uh, uh, it, it, it's been perfect. You talk about, uh, you know, having the right ownership. You talk about having the right head coach. You talk about a quarterback that uh, obviously the last 15 to 20 years, the league personnel-wise has changed a whole lot. And, you know, they talk about when you're preparing and putting the team together, you got to make sure you have a quarterback. You got to make sure you have that left tackle. You got to make sure you have a cover corner. You got to make sure you have a defensive end that can rush and put, you know, also all of those things that are important. But the number one thing they talk about all the time, you got to have a quarterback. Right. You can have all those other things and not have a quarterback that it's it, it just not going to get it happen. And there are a lot of talented people that are out there that have played the game. But it's uh, when you watch the things that Tom has done and how he's continued to challenge his passion for the game is what it's unbelievable. All about. It's crazy. Chatting with the Hall of Famer Andre Tippett, who joins us on behalf of K Jewelers. You mentioned ownership. We've had conversations with other Patriot alums like yourself, and they mentioned Robert Kraft says you're still part of the team. That's you're it. not playing anymore, but you're part of this Patriot family. What does the Patriot way mean to you? For me, it's man, it's uh, it, it's been awesome. I mean, uh, we understand to get it done, and what, especially as a former player. There are only two things that really matter when you really talk about the game. And, and, and as Cordell and I have played the game, um, 60 minutes of football and the, the ability to challenge yourself against the people that you're lining up against. It. And, and the, you'd be surprised how many people are not willing to challenge the opponent. Just want to be out there. They're okay being on the field, but don't ask me or don't put me in a position where I am going to have to challenge myself or challenge others because some people don't want to raise up to that 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 uh, temptation. But uh, for us, the Patriot way, it's about playing 60 minutes of football. It almost sounds as if, you know, when, when think of some players that come from other places, right, and, and you hear the Patriots way. And to me, I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you speak on it and hearing Brian ask the question, and to me, because guys come from different backgrounds and have different philosophies for the most part, because hmm. they always have different players Absolutely. on their team coming from other places, not college, but in the league. Right. It's like being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. Absolutely. Because when Bill Belichick basically tells you, just do your job, right. you want to do more than just your job. You want to talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. You want to be frustrated. Right. You want to you right. complain. But you very seldomly see or hear these guys going out of their way you know, saying how, because that's, that's un- being uncomfortable when you complain. And I think these guys understand Absolutely. that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And I think in the end, the results are champions. Don't be a distraction. I mean, and don't be a distraction. And don't go out and do, do dumb things that are going to bring attention to the team right. or, or distractions to the team. And that's huge. The Hall of Famer Andre Tippett is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Joins us on behalf of K Jewelers. We'll talk about the great work they're doing. A reminder, fellas, I'm told, sources close to us reporting, Valentine's Day is coming up. We'll get there momentarily. (laughs) Andre, is it as simple to say, so long as you have Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, he's right there now with John Wooden, Scotty Bowman, whatever sport you follow, and the greatest quarterback of all time, 
things are going to be able to be maintained in New England? How long do you think they can keep this going? I put it like this. I don't want to be the coach following Belichick. Mm. He is going to be in such a rabbit hole that uh, to get out of that thing, it's going to, it's going to take a whole lot of, lot, of, lot of stuff that's going on. Um, who knows? Can Brady I mean, play it, until he's 45? Is I, that really possible? <laughs> You're around the complex. You, know, you see it. You know, I see him. He works hard. No one's more committed uh, from a passion standpoint of pushing themselves to the next level. Uh, it, it's amazing. Um, I think you put your mind to it. Anything's possible. Um, so I think we're all going to be sitting around waiting for it to happen. I think right now, I'd say, yeah. I, I, would, I would say this, and, and, and I think – the consensus was from with a lot of people around, which was when Jimmy Garoppolo was let go, it's like you, you guys have always been prepared for the just-in-case moment. And then all of a sudden, now it's Brian Hoyer. And you see Jimmy Garoppolo playing in San Francisco. And I got to be honest with you, this was the first time where when thinking that, that, that Bill Belichick best hadn't come up yet because he's always been prepared for the next stop, I thought, you know, that was probably one of the tougher moves to, that he ever had to be a part of because he's a really good quarterback, but now you have Brian Horgan. and it's like, was he prepared? Was he not prepared? You're not going to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, how did that go? How did yeah, that work out? Yeah, you know, it's – I don't think anyone's questioned Bill's decision to make personnel changes and to do the things that he's done. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work in personnel uh, for a very long time there, and uh, – I figure, obviously, he knows something more than we do. And every time we think we know, right. even the, those that are there that work in the organization, even us that think we may know, uh, we always end up in the end saying, wow, I didn't see that coming. So I'm always saying that, you know, he's got a he's got a, a, a crystal a, ball somewhere, a crystal ball or <laughs> ace in his back pocket that he's just holding on to. That's why they have all those rings. Now, you have a different kind of ring. Let's talk about the bling bling and focus on our friends at K Jewelers, number one jewelry store in America, your trusted Valentine's Day gifting destination. Andre, what do we need to know about K Jewelers? Absolutely. Well, obviously, as you guys know, K Jewelers is the official jewelry store for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the trusted creator of the ring of excellence, which is this ring here that you guys see. This is the ring that we give to each uh, can Cordell D. touch it? He's never Absolutely. even been a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It fits, by the way. I feel like protocols <laughs> are being violated here. And it fits, by the way. There's no intimidation <laughs> with wearing this thing because I hope Unfortunately, got to give it back, Carter. Oh, that's in a couple seconds. But this give me is, my moment. Uh, this is what we're doing. I mean, obviously, you guys talk about my career, and I jokingly have been telling everybody, you know, I've dropped a lot of quarterbacks in my day, but I've never dropped the, dropped the, uh, the ball on Valentine's Day. So we're promoting here the way to win. Uh, especially with football going on this week, that guys are uh, reminded about uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, you can, we're, we're, we're hoping that everyone's going to get out and visit K Jewelers or go to K.com. And that way you're going to find the perfect gift. And you know the jingle. Help me out with the jingle. Guys. Cordell's the crooner you. on this show. Hey, I'll step aside. Every, every, every kiss, kiss begins with K. There you go. There Boom. it is. I love it, man. I this love is it. a Chris Carter ring, too, by the way. Yeah, I went to his house and just took it. <laughs> yeah, I said, give me your ring, man. You used to play in Minnesota. Help yeah. yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I said, I need a prop. <laughs> and he gave it to you. He trusts you big time. 
Love it. Andre, we appreciate the visit. Enjoy the rest of your time this week in Minnesota. Thank you guys very much for having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. All you want to do is listen to TuneIn live from Radio Row, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC 35 wireless headphones, too. All you need to do is flip the switch, and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC 35 headphones, too, are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself, and Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC 35 headphones, too, today. Bose, official sound of Super Bowl 52. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's head back to Minneapolis for more of our coverage of Super Bowl 52. Merrill Reese, iconic radio voice of the Eagles since 1977. Merrill, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm I'm I at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Not bad, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm at the Super Bowl. I, I still can't get over it. I mean, it's it's a shock. I have never gotten over this season where, as you, as you heard me say, I tend to be optimistic and I thought maybe 10 wins. But if you told me that they would have lost the people that I just listed, I would have said they'd be lucky to win six. Really. And this team has been unbelievably resilient. So I'm thrilled to be here. Speaking of being resilient, I mean, being able to plug guys in coming from other places like the Chris Longs of the world and like Garrett Blunt's coming in and Jay Ajayi, you get him pretty much midway through the season. And then all of a sudden you get Nick Foles to fill in for Carson Wentz. You've seen a lot of football over the years in Philadelphia. What's, what makes this team different than most? Doug Peterson. I, I mean that. Doug Peterson. He, he never gives guys excuses. He never said, we lost this guy, this guy, that guy. And I, you know, do the best you can. He just assumes that whoever steps in is going to play at a, a first string level. And he never gets too high. He never gets too low. He knows the NFL game. And Cordell, you've worked with coaches who have been around. And when you work with a coach who has been a player for 16 years, and he knows what you guys are thinking, what you guys respond to, and he knows how to treat you fairly, and yet he has a sense of authoritativeness, then you've got a great coach. And he has really been, in his second year, a great coach. Yeah, you, you end up getting the respect, I think, is what you're talking about, really. Um, the, the respect and the admiration, and yeah. they like him. They and the really, understanding of the game, yeah, too, as yeah, well. Oh, of course. And, and the funny thing is, is, is real quick, is not all coaches that play the game actually can transcend into being really good, but when you're under Andy Reid, the things that Andy Reid taught Doug Peterson, because that's pretty much who he's been under his entire time, he almost looked like the mirror image, but with a little bit more fire, and maybe because he's young, he takes more chances. Well, he's not Andy. People said he was little Andy when he came in. There is a definite difference. I think Andy's a terrific coach. He's got more wins than any coach in Eagles history. But I'm going to tell you something. Doug manages a game better. You get deep in a game, deep in that fourth quarter, Doug has timeouts in his pocket. Doug doesn't make a challenge unless he's pretty sure that it's right. Now he'll miss one here and there, but he's very judicious in throwing the red flag. He's really good at that, and uh, Andy's great too. But uh, Doug is a little more, uh, let's say, committed to the running game than Andy. And that could be a huge factor when we get to the game on Sunday. You'll be calling it Merrill Reese, longtime radio voice, Eagles Radio Network. Merrill, clubs have identities, personalities. How would you sum up this year? Is it really about that tenacity, resilience you were talking about with all the injuries, especially when Carson Wentz went down with the torn ACL on the road in L.A.? 
I think if they have an identity, it's that they love to play football. I mean, they actually love to play football. I was in Doug's office before the, uh, after they uh, won the first playoff game and uh, after the Atlanta game, and he said, you know what the great thing is? We have more games to play, and, and the guys are like this. They have fun. They, I asked Brandon Graham. I do a Monday night show with Brandon Graham. I said, uh, how are you guys before the NFC Championship game? He said, we were the same as we were before the third game of the season. This group doesn't get tense. They don't get tight. They don't think about bigger games or stages. They just go out and they have fun. They do what they love to do. And here's another thing. There are no players on this team, and this is kind of unusual. There are no players on this team who worry about how many targets they got in this game or how many carries they got in this game. They care about the final score. And if they carry the ball less than the team wins, they're fine with that. There are no complainers. So you're basically saying this is a very unselfish team because that's what you hear a lot, that this team in comparison to the last that went to play against New England in Jacksonville, there was a little selfishness. You know, Donovan McNabb claiming his stake because T.O. came on and T.O. had his leg broken. He comes in and play with. And a lot of guys have gone to NFC Championship games, but all of a sudden with T.O., they went to the hump, over the hump and made to the championship. You kind of saw a little little griping going on. But this team right here, they seem extremely unselfish. Uh, there, there was griping that went right into the next season and yeah, did. completely blew up the team. Yeah. There really was. But that's not why they lost that game. I still believe, going back, a lot of people say that they, they have that uh, myth. And I, I, don't, I never saw Donovan McNabb throw up, but they claimed that he threw up late in that game and that he took the, uh, he, he choked a little bit. I don't buy it. I've watched that game with coaches. And when I watch that game, I see two things. Number one, the offensive line did not give Donovan McNabb time. It was a red carpet to Donovan McNabb time and time again. And number two, the defense never got to Tom Brady. He could have dropped back, read a book, and looked downfield and found Dion Branch. He had all day. These, it sounds like such a cliche, and you hear it all the time, Cordell, but games are really won in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to have a great quarterback. You have to have this. You have to have that. But if your lines do not match up against your opponent's lines, you're going to lose yeah. most of the time. Merrill Reese is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. So let's spin it forward to Sunday. You mentioned the show you do with Brandon Graham. We know how... Effective he is coming off the edge. You got Fletcher Cox up the middle. Giants had sustained pass rush two times when they beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Jacksonville was doing a great job in the AFC title game, but couldn't get it done with the play calling with a 20 to 10 advantage fourth quarter. How much confidence do you have that Philadelphia can at least get to Brady when we get to game day on Sunday? I don't know if they can get to Brady because Brady is great. Brady gets rid of the ball as quickly as he possibly can, but by rushing Brady, they're going to give Amendola, they're going to give Hogan less time to run their patterns. They're going to make coverage more doable. That's what's going to happen. And they may get to Brady and knock him around a little bit. I think the greatest matchup for the Eagles in this game is their interior defensively and against the offensive line of the Patriots, which looks to be average or a little below average at the guard positions. When you think about Fletcher Cox, you, you talked about the front four and Chris Long, and 
I look at this front four, especially because they saved Fletcher Cox. I mean, he talked about it a lot, right? He said, you know, they probably had me playing a little bit over half the games throughout the, the entire season. And then when we got to the bitter end, they let me play more reps, which he looks much fresher uh, than most guys his size in the latter part of the season. But the tenacity and the fire in which these guys play with, most teams, they might give you a, a good strong anywhere from 40 minutes to maybe 50 minutes of good football. Jacksonville, that's a team. Pittsburgh, same thing. But Philadelphia, when they play, and look at how they played against Minnesota, and watching them all year, and you've seen it, they play and prepare to play for over 60 minutes. And that's the difference that I see with this Philadelphia team and how they play in comparison to a lot of teams that played against you, New England. But you see some of that is depth, that they can rotate and not True. lose anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fletcher Cox comes out and Bo Allen comes in. And he's pretty tough. As a matter of fact, this is his hometown. He's invited everyone over for dinner. He may have been <laughs> kidding. Uh, or he'll have about 120 guys over at his house. Well, there's room here at the food court yeah, as well. Yeah, there, there is. But, but Bo Allen is tough. They lost Benny Logan, and people thought that was going to be a big loss. Timmy Jernigan came in and played better than he did with the Ravens. He has been a force. You mentioned, mm -hmm. you mentioned Chris Long. He's been great. Vinny Carey has had his best year as a pro. He's terrific. Brandon Graham didn't make the Pro Bowl. It's a shame because he's had a career year. And then the rookie, Derek Barnett, he has just started to come into his own, and you may see him to a greater extent on Sunday night. Well, I think the thing is, when you think about this team, for me personally, I just think the way they gel and play together and play in that role of the underdog, it's kind of different. And correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I like the Jacksonville, and, and I watch how tough they were and how they were getting prepared to play against the New England Patriots team. And you saw some glitches in the system. Okay, we could start at the quarterback with, with Blake Bortles. Okay, but he played really good football. He did. And I just think overall, defensively, they gave up too much. I don't know if it's because they got soft in coverage. They got conservative in their calls. You can go all the way back to Atlanta. I mean, they started off really fast. 28-3, and they yeah, forgot how to run the football. Right. They forgot how to do everything. Play yeah. defense as well. Make stops. See, that's I what, don't see that with Philadelphia. You won't see that with Doug. Right. You won't see that with Doug. Maybe Doug Marone, but not Doug Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's not that's not a slap at Doug Marone, because Doug Marone's a very good coach and did a great job bringing Jacksonville that far. But you said it, and everybody else said it, they were not the same Jacksonville team that took the lead once they feared that the Patriots could come back. They got timid to a point. They got tentative. Doug Peterson, I promise you, will not take his foot off the pedal, win or lose, until he feels that this game is a fait complete. Chatting with a man who uses Latin, my Jesuit background. I love it. Merrill Reese, long-time radio voice, Philadelphia Eagles, went to Ford and Prep a million years ago. Benny Vidi Vici. Cordell and Caesar both undefeated. When we think about Super Bowl experience, is that more of a media talking point? Do you think it matters when we get to game time? On yeah, Sunday? I do. I do. But here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Going back, this is my third Super Bowl. I remember the Eagles after Super Bowl 15 getting on the plane in New Orleans the day after, and that's the worst feeling in the world to lose a Super Bowl. Getting on the plane the day after and everybody saying, you have to be to one of these things. You have to go there first. Now, we'll go back next year and we'll win it. Well, next year didn't come for 24 more years. Mm. You always think you're close, and if you don't win it, you'll win it the next year. You have to seize the moment. You get there, you don't know when all the stars are going to be aligned again for you to get there. But the thing is, these players are just driven. They are just driven. They want it so much. And when you talk about Super Bowl experience, there are seven Eagles, seven Eagles on this team 
who have been Super Bowl winners. Seven of them. Corey Graham with the Ravens, uh, Timmy Jernigan with the Ravens, Danelle Ellerby with the Ravens, LeGarrett Blunt, Chris Long, both of whom played with the Patriots last year, Malcolm Jenkins as a rookie was a Super Bowl champion with the Saints, and there's one other who has slipped my mind. But they, they've had seven Eagles that have been play, have played and won Super Bowls. And you mentioned two of those that played with New England. Yeah. How much you think that will help, that will somewhat be an X oh, factor in how you prepare? Because one on defense and the other on offense. Doug will have them get up, I promise you. Doug will have them get up. He probably did last week and asked each one of them to get up and talk to their teammates about what it's like being down here, about all the hoopla, about all the distractions, Mm -hmm. and how when you get down to it on Super Bowl Sunday, it's just go out and play football. You know, I want to tell you something. LeGarrette Blount is the greatest guy in the world. He really is. When he came in, I thought they were getting Marshawn Lynch because, and that's, you know, Marshawn Lynch is a great football player, but he has his own, the whole beast mode persona. But I'll tell you a, a very, very funny story. Eagles beat the Chargers out in Carson City early in the season, and LeGarrette Blount had a great game. Great game. And there was one run where he came across midfield, and I said, he's at the 50, he's at the 45, he's a runaway freight train. But he wouldn't go down. Yeah, yeah. and he, a great run. So on Tuesday, I was in the locker room, and I hadn't met him. It's early in the season. I'm there every day, but in the summer during the training camp, you don't really get into the locker room much. And all of a sudden, I see like Eric Blunt try, striding towards me, and he's big and he's tough looking, and he stops about three feet away, and he points at me, and he says, Merrill Reese. And I went, Yes. He said, I just love when you call me a freight train. <laughs> and, and the next day, I brought him a CD of that call. Oh, great. And he picked me up in the air and he said, my mom and dad are going to love this. But he is, he is such a great addition to this football team, the personality. And part of the joy of what we are all fortunate enough to do. So we talk about what motivates Tom Brady, and you consistently hear something simple and fundamental. He loves football. He does. Clearly, you love what we do. Want to do it forever. Is the thrill the same as when you climbed into the booth for the first time on a full-time basis in 1977? The preparation, the interaction, and actually calling the game, the mechanics. Gets better every year. Appreciate it more every year. There's nothing. I am a passionate golfer. I play 100 rounds a year. If it's a choice between doing an Eagles game and playing Augusta, Eagles game. Even if it's a preseason game. Don't ask Cordell to make that decision on this show. It'll be a one-man show quick. I I, I love to play, but I would rather broadcast than anything else. Yeah, when you think about this football team, they're young, they're vibrant. There goes Isaac Ciamalo. Uh, The guys are, are having a great time. Um, like, how do you basically say to this group of men that for us, when it comes to anxiety, they're extremely excited. You want to kind of keep them mild-mannered and mild-tempered so they don't kind of drain themselves throughout the year, throughout the week, excuse me. But when you see that type of energy we see on the field sometimes when they're dancing, they're giving each other high five and love, and they win football games the way they do, is that different than most teams you see in yeah, national football doing it? And I have a coach who says, don't change a thing. Right. It's don't cost me a timeout. Don't cost me, don't cost me a delay of game penalty. And don't certainly don't do anything that's going to cost us a, a, a unsportsmanlike 15-yard right. penalty. Mm-hmm. But go out and have fun. Do what you want to do. Be you. He lets their personalities come out. Well, in addition to having the great pleasure working with Cordell 15 hours a week, we have a seven-hour commercial-free live listening program every Sunday called First and Goal. 
and I'm the host of that. And one of the joys is going to your broadcast with Mike Quick and the sense of camaraderie and the excitement you're having. And that call of the Jake Elliott field goal, I, you don't have to critique your own work, but <laughs> something I'm sure you're proud of, just the way you summed it up and you could feel the tension building and the culmination when the ball goes through after 61 yards. You know, it's just fun. It's just fun. And Mike is a friend. Mike's a great friend. And we we play golf together. We go to each other's family occasions. And it's just great to be able to hang out with him on Sunday and watch some football and have a great time. And he's another guy who prepares as hard as a broadcaster as he did as a five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. But well, we had fun hanging out with you. Great Thank to you. see you. Have Mark a great pleasure. call on Sunday. Thank you very Thank much. You, You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites. We've rounded up our favorites and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John. S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, bringing you the biggest names in football, getting ready for Super Bowl 52 from Radio Row in Minnesota. Pleasure to chat with one of the best in the business, Peter King and the MMQB. Even better to see him in person. Peter, with all the awards you've won, all the achievements, did you ever envision the glory of covering a Super Bowl inside a mall? (laughs) You know what? I got to ask this question because I could just imagine a football lifer like Bill Cower or Bill Belichick or, or, you know, or somebody who's been doing this for a long time say, uh, coach, uh, we're, we're playing in the Super Bowl in Minneapolis and your hotel is going to be connected to the biggest mall in the world. <laughs> and you're not going to have you're not going to have to worry about your players going out after curfew. You're going to have to go find them in the Aeropostal <laughs> store after curfew. <laughs> it's, this is this is the funniest thing, isn't it? It's, it's incredible. Cool. It's really cool because yeah. when you when you look around, you know how sometimes when we go to search certain sites like in San Francisco, you're trying to leave out of the place that we're in on Radio Road, grab <laughs> Oh, yeah. But when you look right across, you have the food court, you have all the candy stores. Brian and I was talking about going into this this flood spot next to us because there's a lot of candy and all that good stuff. So it's pretty neat and um, it's pretty exciting. But with saying all that, when you look at this Super Bowl and, and you have Nick Foles, I mean, you walk into the hotel, you see the big banner with <laughs> Nick Foles and Tom Brady. Like, how do you it? put that in perspective into words considering all the Super Bowls you've covered? Uh, you know, look, uh, I was talking to Al Michaels the other day for my podcast, and he said, so I've done ten- this will be my 10th Super Bowl. And each one of the previous ones, each one of the previous ones uh, is uh, I've had a backup quarterback. Or, I'm sorry, in two of the previous ones. So so he said, I'm really used to this. He had Hostetler, uh, and I forget, he had another backup quarterback. What Earl but, Moral? That was before no, Al's time, right? No, But, you know, I, I look – I'm like everybody else, Cordell. I, be- I believe when we were headed into this that there is no way that Foles was going to be able to, to, to hold his own going into the Minnesota game. But then in the Minnesota game, like, I, I, so I did some work over the weekend, and I watched both the Atlanta playoff game with Philadelphia and then the Minnesota playoff game with Philadelphia. I watched them both back on tape. And so I'll tell you what I found. 
I got tremendous respect for Doug Peterson as a play caller because the game he called against the Atlanta Falcons was totally different than the game he called against the Minnesota Vikings. He was throwing horizontally, Foles was, against the Falcons. Take no chances. And now he's throwing vertically Mm -hmm. against the Minnesota Vikings. And I think, you know, everybody said, man, what happened to the Vikings secondary? They just got they got they got schooled by Nick Foles. How does that happen? Well, because they expected everything to be dink and dunk and to be horizontal. And then they see Nick Foles throwing the ball 40 yards downfield to Alshon Jeffrey, throwing a 41-yard beautiful throw to Torrey Smith off a flea flicker. I congratulate Doug Peterson for having the presence of mind to say, you know what, part of calling games is to call some change-ups, and that's exactly what he did. Well, I, I mean, to, to, to follow up what you're saying, it goes all the way back to the Super Bowl last year. And how did New England in the second half beat the Atlanta Falcons? James White, he gets nine catches for 100 and something more yards, and I'm watching this game against Philly, and the Falcons could not cover the backs out of the backfield on the little simple swing routes. Now, this is something that Carson Wentz has done at the very beginning of the season because he brought the same plays from North Dakota State where the back is a yeah. big part of what they do. And you thought Atlanta would have figured it out when they played them. But great job, as you mentioned, by Doug Peterson to be able to acknowledge that their linebackers are having a tough time to get to the flat to cover those receivers. And then you mentioned the vertical part in the Minnesota game. I thought it was great. Cordell, I want to ask you a question just from a personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I can't help but think about Carson Wentz right now. Okay? Six weeks ago, this was... A, a solid, maybe maybe the MVP of the NFL. He gets hurt. He's out. And, you know, I, I just, having played the position, right. being the nerve center of the team, having played the position at the highest level of college football right. and at the highest level of pro football, I want you to tell me, what is Carson Wentz thinking right now? It's hard. It's hard because th- this is what I'll say about Carson Wentz. And sometimes... You know, because guys are so young, they don't know that they don't know. But in this case for Carson Wentz, he's been a winner his entire career, starting back in college in North Dakota State. He's winning national championships every year in the FCS. But when you get to the National Football League and you see you have a a pretty solid year last year, maybe gotten worn out because of the 16 games as opposed to 11 or 12 games, he now comes into his second season and jumps on board as if he's in rare form. And now all of a sudden you can't play on the best dance, like the prom of high school. You can't play on the on the field or be on the dance floor. And you floor see the best somebody dance. doing it's, it. Oh, it, it's, it should it's, be your job. It's Molly Pip comes to mind, right? It's, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a very odd sensation mentally. It's, it's tough because now it's like I know I brought relevance to this position into this city. The fans have the big hot air balloons of myself floating in the air down certain yeah. streets, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I cannot be a part of the biggest game of all time. And this is the beauty of it. It's Nick Foles, I think, has been a true gentleman. I think yeah. he's been a true sportsman. And he's been so humble to where he's not necessarily, I would say, being combative or competing with that energy of him being the starter and getting it done with Carson Wentz. He understands that this is Carson Wentz's job. Right. Doug Peterson, I think he's been tremendous with it. He understands it. The teammates even, they've been, un- they've been understanding. And I think when you see that, it makes the injury and having to walk around with the cane and still high-five your offensive linemen and your receivers to be a little bit better, but yet at the same time, 
you're making sure that everything Nick Foles does on the football field is going to be as closest to what you've done as possible to where you can get a chance to hopefully win and beat the GOAT in Tom Brady and bring the ring back home so I can actually wear it and wear the, the, the jewelry and be excited <laughs> like you guys. That, that's what I think he's going through, and I think that's how he's dealing with it because it's been class across he the board in He has been class, yeah. yeah. Chatting with our friend Peter King, MMQB. So reading your last column, terrific as always, the ride-along with Doug Peterson going to work. What should our listeners know about Doug as a person? Because there was the perception, air quotes on the radio, when he got the job, maybe he didn't have the intellectual heft of, say, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Sal Palantonio did a story last night on ESPN that I saw. It was really, really good. He made the point that, and I, I, I don't know what paper it was, might have been USA Today, but he said, because I, I, I didn't know this, I forgot it, that when Doug Peterson was hired as one of seven new coaches in 2016, he was the, uh, in, in terms of the hires that year in the seven, he was number seven as listed by this national newspaper. And so, um, you know, he, Sal was basically making the point that, look, nobody really expected a lot out of him. And a lot of people knocked this hire and they knocked it significantly. But I do think one of the things that I have learned being around Doug Peterson and then riding to work with him the other day. I rode from near his home in New Jersey. We rode about 25 minutes um, to his parking spot at the NovaCare complex in Philadelphia. And here was the most interesting thing. You know, he's not, he's been in a lot of big games in his career on the field, mostly as a backup quarterback, obviously. But like he played in Don Shula's 325th win, the all-time, he became the all-time winning his coach. Doug Peterson was the quarterback there because of injuries to uh, Dan Marino and Scott Mitchell. He's played some behind Brett Favre in Green Bay. He's played in some of these things. So he's, he's been there. And I think when I watch him call a game, I think he's a brilliant play caller because he can put himself in the minds of where that quarterback is. And so I think I think that's one big part of it. And I think there's one other part of it. He doesn't make this game too big. And he's not making this game too big. And that's why I think, you know, I'm probably going to pick the Patriots, but I, I'm telling you, these Eagles are trouble. They're, they're, they're trouble. And I think part of the reason why they're going to be so good, honestly, is because... Doug Peterson basically says, don't worry about the hype. Don't worry about anything. Worry about the player, the football player across from you and beating him. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think the thing that Doug Peterson has done and, and as a former player to now becoming a head coach and being able to have this type of success so soon, when you think of players that he brought in, like the LeGarrette Blunts coming from New England, he brought in the Chris Longs. He brought in the Jay Ajayis. He brought in Alshon Jeffries. And that's he Howie Roseman, who deserves a lot of credit as well. And the Ronald Darby's of the world. But yet, being able to bring those guys in and utilize them very well to where Darby being one of the guys who caught the interception took it back to the house against Minnesota. Is it that, you know, maybe because he learned behind uh, Andy Reid and, and he was a quarterback and understanding the nuances of the, of the football field, is why he's having so much so much success in being in Philadelphia as much time as he has because that's a hard play to coach, hard place to coach as well as play. But I think he uses the Philadelphia part to his advantage too, because he never has to worry about. Uh, you know, I, I think I think one of his thoughts is Cordell. He never has to worry about the players 
getting up or or thinking that they're in a place it's got to be like playing in Heinz Field or Three Rivers mm -hmm. because every game you were going to play it was going to be a nut house you know there was going to be it was going to be jam packed and people were going to be crazy helping your team win and i think that's one of the but i think one other thing about Doug Peterson having been a player before is this when you look at the way he has coached this team he has been like Bill Belichick in that every game plan is a snowflake. You do not know what you're going to see when you see a Doug Peterson coached offense. Chatting with Peter King, MMQB. Peter, I think the word storyline is a media contrivance. We use it too much. So I'll try to pick a better word. Component. We talked about the backup quarterback issue with Nick Foles. Beyond that, what other components stand out to you this week? You know, everybody always thinks, and I think there's much justification for it, that when uh, Bill Belichick has an extra week to prepare, he's always really good. His coaches are always really good. That is such an all-star coaching staff, even though other than uh, Matt Patricia and, and Josh McDaniels, nobody really knows them. But it's a great coaching staff. And I think they do a great job when they're given extra time. But I also think that there's a component to the underdog status that Philadelphia feels that they're fine with that. They're fine with everybody thinking that this is David against Goliath. That's cool. There's one other one other part of this that that in my opinion is going to come into play. Okay, so Tom Brady doesn't move very well, and Philadelphia's uh, defensive front really showed last week that they can bother a quarterback and they can get to a quarterback even if they can't sack him. Chris Long just scraped his arm across Case Keenum's chest. He forced that first interception that led to the tie game. I think New England is going to have a tough time keeping the Philadelphia front from Tom Brady. Yeah, and the thing is, is, is going into this game, the last two weeks, this team has been considered as the underdog. And you know it's going to happen again, so you're going to see the little puppy hats, the little mask or whatever. Even though we know Bill Belichick is a genius, as you mentioned, when giving him too much time, this team in Philadelphia has truly responded to every single thing. Everyone. I mean, look, they, they just won the NFC Championship game against the best third down defense of this decade right. by 31 points. <laughs> they put up 38 points on them, so, and 31 offensive points. This is uh, how Philadelphia wins the game is by simply playing football don't be thinking hey man biggest game of your life you know don't be thinking that just play football and you know okay you're gonna have a 35 minute halftime you're gonna have all these other weird things that you don't have during the season make sure that you get your leaders your Fletcher Coxes your Zach Ertzes your Malcolm Jenkinses you know who've been down the road before not necessarily in Super Bowls although Jenkins has been in one Make sure that they tell everybody, hey, listen, none of it matters. None of it matters except the guy across from you. So I was wandering through the greatness that is Radio Row. And if you want a collection of deep thinkers, it's right over there, 40 yards from us. And I know I'm loud and I project, but I don't scream. And someone was screaming, and I'm going to appropriate the thought, and we'll just have hopefully a more intellectual discussion here. Tom Brady in the same sentence as Alex Rodriguez and Lance Armstrong. And you know where I'm going here. Yeah, yeah. Is it fair to wonder how Brady gets better as he gets older? Here's what I say to that, and my feeling about it is very, very simple. If you've got any proof that Brady or any player in sports is doing anything illicit, then bring it on. If not, 
I, I'm just telling you, I don't want to hear it. Well, it's reckless. Yeah, it's, it's reckless. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. And the reason I don't want to hear it is that it basically tells me that you're giving no credit. And first of all, uh, you know, uh, Brett Favre, who was as destructive with his body as any uh, football quarterback in recent history, maybe other than Johnny Manziel, early in his career, Favre was a drinker. He's doing all the Vicodin. He's doing all this stuff. Favre had a great year when he was when he was 39 or 40 years old. Warren Moon had a great year when he was 40 years old, a great year when he was 40. And so, you know, look, if Brady's doing this when he's 47, okay, let's have him, let's have him drug tested every 10 minutes. But I, I just, I can't, I, 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 I really dislike that because to me it says that we don't trust that you're doing this honestly. Well, give me some reason. Otherwise, shut up. Do you attribute it to how the game has changed as far as the rules are concerned? Because think about how practices used to be back in yeah. in a time in which we're talking about the other players. Like Tom, the Brady, Tom Brady last year, you know, he, I, I saw him a week after the Super Bowl uh, at his place in Montana. We recorded a 76-minute podcast. I wrote about it. And he kept saying to me that the key to me is understanding how to work out and that the answer isn't for a quarterback. Hey, go and lift more weights. It's not the answer for a quarterback. The answer to be to be a quarterback is to be flexible, to be pliable, to be strong, and and to understand that, and and to do everything you need to do. But don't just go in the go in the weight room and spend five months in the off season, you know, getting fifteen percent stronger in your upper body. That doesn't. That's not what a quarterback needs. I think he has learned that. Peter, last one for me. Your thoughts, perspective on the evolution of the big game as an event. There's that great picture with you and Mike and the Mad Dog. I think you were 18 years old. It was not last week. How this thing has become a spectacle of Americana and pop culture. Well, the way it's changed in the last few years, honestly, uh, is that this is just my feeling that the NFL has made it possible for America to touch the Super Bowl a lot more. You know, here we are. You're going to have people just walking around you uh, the, the whole week. And I think it's kind of a cool thing. Somebody, A bunch of people here are going to get to clap Joe Montana on the back. They're going to get to say hey to Cordell Stewart. They're going to get to talk to all of these people who, you know, 20 years ago at a Super Bowl were in some hermetically sealed room where nobody would see them. And I kind of think that's good. I really, really do, because I think the NFL should be more in touch with their fans. I've said for years, teams should go away to training camp in part so that fans could get close to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ridiculous that teams all, do, most of them, the Steelers don't, but most teams now do their uh, off-season training, including training camp at their home facilities. I just think, I just think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong because I think that people ought to be able to uh, to say, hey, Cordell, how you doing? How do you think we're going to do this year? Whatever. I'm sure it, it, it gets old for players, but I think it's cool for fans who invest so much time and energy in the game. Is it okay to ask the question, who's going to win? Because it's early in the week. He gave you a pick, little bit of a lead. I'm going yeah. to I'm picking, I think I'm going to pick New England. But the reason why I want to I want to see and listen to these teams in the next couple of days, um, I, I I don't I don't think I'm going to change my opinion, but I want to see and 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 see what happens in the next couple of days because 
I, I really am fascinated by Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I like Philadelphia a lot. And I think they got a very good chance to win this game. But we'll see. I'm probably picking New England, though. Okay. And we'll get the official confirmation, MMQB. Peter, thank you for your time, your insights, your contributions all season long. You've been a huge part of the show and looking forward to chatting with you as we move into the offseason. Thanks a lot, Brian. Really appreciate it. And thanks for the partnership. That's our friend Peter King joining us on behalf of SeatGeek. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunt Places on Hollywood Earth. and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past. And discovered that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is a special edition of NFL No Huddle, the podcast with comprehensive coverage of Super Bowl 52 from Radio Row in Minneapolis. Pleased to be joined by Eddie Royal, the former wide receiver play for the Broncos, Chargers and Bears. Eddie, thanks for taking the time. Let's focus on your specialty. How do you see the comparative talent and skill set of the Patriots wide receiver slash tight end with Gronk coming out of the concussion protocol and what Philadelphia has to offer at that position. You know what? When I look at it, it's actually pretty even. You know, uh, you got the speed guy and Brandon Cooks over there with the Patriots, who's a big play threat. Then you look on the other side of it, it's a different kind of big play threat. And Alshon Jeffries, not as fast, but a big target who can make those big plays as we saw last week uh, with that big touchdown pass uh, for the Eagles. Um, and then the tight ends, I mean, you got to give the edge to Gronk, of course, but there are two threats on third down who can get you those key uh, first downs and move the chains. And then you just sprinkle in the other guys. You got Nelson Aguilar, who's a big play threat. Finally living uh, up to the hype that came with being a number one pick, a first round pick, you know? Exactly. And I love what he's doing. And I love the way that they're getting him involved with the offense. I think they're doing a lot better job of that. Uh, and, and then you got Chris Hogan on the other side. So it's, it's pretty evenly matched, if you ask me. Alshon Jeffries, you had an opportunity to, to at least know him, right, and play a little bit with him. It seems as if the Bears threw him away. Let's just call it that. Because if you watch how he's playing right now, it's totally different than what he did uh, when he had the opportunity to be with the Bears. Give me your take on how much he meant to this offense, being a deep threat in the intermediate passes and catching the ball and, and getting the yards after the catch. Yeah, I, th I think he brings that veteran-type presence that kind of, also with Torrey Smith, I mean, those guys have been in a league, which could have helped Nelson Aguilar out a lot. You know, they could have showed him the way to be a professional in this league, and so maybe that's what's given him the boost. But I love the way that, that they're getting Alshon involved, especially uh, with the shorter passes and then opening it up with the big plays. Because, I trust me, I played with Alshon, and I've never seen a better jump ball player in my life. Just his ball skills are amazing and I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl because I know he's going to have one of those big plays. Eddie as you make the transition from catching touchdown passes to scoring verbal touchdowns in our business are you blown away by the notion that Tom Brady somehow some way gets better as he gets older? It, it is mind-blowing just because 
it's natural to get get to kind of slow down a little bit as you get older. I mean, I, I'm not even that old, but I, I feel the changes in my body. So right. it's just like he seems like he's getting better, you know, but you watch him and he doesn't move around a lot. He kind of sits there in a the pocket. They do a great job of protecting him and he's just throwing a football. And so he's very accurate and he gets the ball out quickly. So he's not taking a lot of hits other than when the Jacksonville Jaguars played him in the first half. and They got a lot of hits on him. And I think that's kind of what Philly has to do to have success against them. Yeah. And I mean, the the thing that you see with Tom Brady is, is he try to find ways to get better in other parts of his game. And all of a sudden, before you know it, it's like his game is truly complete from top to bottom. But let's talk about the quarterback on the other side, Nick Foles. I mean, come on, man. He starts off in Philly, goes to Kansas City, comes back to Philly, and he's playing in the Super Bowl against the Golden, and so many would say, in Tom Brady. Give me your take on what you see in him as far as a receiver is concerned and how he's been able to move the ball around. Well, early on when he first got in there, it was a little bit shaky. Uh, I think the chemistry wasn't really there. But this team is so close and they gelled so much. It, they kind of put in, you could tell they put in the work in practice to kind of make it better. And and you could tell that the last few games, Nick has really stepped up. And I think what Philly should do, in my opinion, is get out there, get him a couple completions early, short passes, get his confidence up high. Uh, and just so he can kind of forget that he's playing against Tom Brady. Right. Because if you think about it too much, it'll kind of it'll kind of intimidate you. Yeah. And hopefully that doesn't happen with him. Eddie Royals, our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. You talked about the importance of putting pressure on Tom Brady. Giants did it twice, part of their winning equation in those Super Bowl victories. Denver did it a couple years ago, AFC title game. Jacksonville had them on the ropes, but unfortunately they got conservative with the play calling. How much confidence do you have that Philadelphia can make it a long afternoon for Brady on Super Bowl Sunday? I think it'll be a similar game uh, because the defenses are are pretty similar with the Eagles and Jacksonville with those crazy good defensive fronts, those defensive lines. You don't really have to blitz to get pressure, and that's amazing when you can do that in the NFL. So then you can have more men back there in coverage to try to stop Brady that way, but I think the recipe to to beat them is hit Brady and hit Gronk. And so you got to try to intimidate their intimidator. And if you can do that, then I think you'll have a chance of stopping them. When you look back at the Super Bowls, I saw that happen at Denver with Seattle. When when Cam Chancellor came down and hit Demarius Thomas, it changed the whole game. And so when you can intimidate the biggest, baddest guy that you have on your team, then it kind of – it shocks the whole team. There's a shock value to it. And Jacksonville did that. They just didn't play aggressive enough in the second half. I mean, you, you mentioned something I think that everyone tried to do. Uh, and the team that I think did it best was last year when Seattle went on the road to play against New England. And they had all the big guys on defense healthy. They had uh, from Richard Sherman, uh, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. And they held Rob Gronkowski to what? Maybe under 70 yards or so. Don't you think it's more of teams have to be prepared to play for 62 and a half, 65 minutes as opposed to just 60 minutes? Because this cliche conversation all the time of hit him hard, play for 60 minutes. You got to play every play like it's your last. But for some reason, they have an extra gear. Yeah. And 
they know that it's going to come down to the end. They prepare for it. I played for Josh McDaniels. Right. Situational football is everything to them. So they understand the importance of getting points right before the before the half and then trying to get the ball and, and score again to try to get a 14-point swing. It's the little things that they do better than you. That's why they beat you. They don't have better players. They just they're very disciplined Schematic. and and they know how to execute their game plan. And so you do have to play 62 minutes. You have to be prepared to do that. And you saw it with Jacksonville. Jacksonville didn't do that. Jacksonville should have won that game, but they didn't come out in the second half ready to play, and New England did. Eddie Royals, our guest, as we continue the countdown to kickoff for the Super Bowl here in Minnesota. Your reference playing for Josh McDaniels. How do you think he's going to do second stint as a head coach in Indy? There was a perception, and you can speak to this, you were in the locker room, Maybe he wasn't fully ready the first time he had the head coaching opportunity in Denver. I think as far as X's and O's, he was ready. He was far beyond his years. I mean, he was a young coach when he got that job. X's and O's, he knew everything. The game plan, the preparation. I was more prepared playing under him than I had been in previous years or, or ever in my career. I'd never seen anything like it. That's why we started out the year 6-0. and I mean, guys were shocked. We knew what the defense was doing before they did it. And who was your quarterback then, too? We Tim. had. We had <laughs> Tim Tebow. It was Tebow at one point, but at that at point. At one point. At, yeah, that <laughs> small moment known as Tebow mania. Okay. We had Kyle Orton, mm. and Kyle Orton was out there. He was there. a man. He was nice. Yeah, he was a very accurate very nice. uh, passer of the ball and executed the game plan. Didn't try to do too much. Did what Josh asked him to do, and that got us out to six six games in, uh, winning streak in a row. And so I think he'll manage people better, better uh, in, in the next go around. I think that's kind of what it was. It wasn't the X's and O's. He just didn't do a great job of managing that locker room. Is that listening? Is that communication? What's involved there? It's a little bit of everything. Getting to know your, your players, getting uh, treat them like human beings, you know, instead of like you got to get to know the guys, the different personalities, joke around with them a little bit, show them that you're human. And Josh is a good guy. He's a funny guy, and I think he'll do a better job of that out there with, with Andrew Luck. He has a great quarterback, and so that that's number one. You start with a great quarterback, then you have a chance for success. Well, I mean, being that he was young way back when, how many years ago that was? Maybe five, six years or so? Longer than that. Long, almost longer than that. Uh, and I think now he's probably matured. And you and you mentioned a couple of things of being able to, to be more outward towards his players and not keep everything inside because he's learning from Bill Belichick, and he's a stickler of doing everything so well, obviously. But the system, because you're talking about a system. Uh, when it comes down to what he did as far as play calling was concerned, the X's and O's, and seeing a Kyle Orton play as well as he was playing until he got injured. Then Tim Tebow comes in. You guys beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're in Denver. When you talk about the system, does the system matter most, or is it the player that's in the system that matters most? Because that's how great they're playing right now with Tom Brady and the other players on that team. Well, you look at New England, it's the system, you know, because those guys are coming in and out. You got Welker, you got Amendola, you got you got Edelman. Those guys are changing in and out. You got Brandon Cooks. At one point, it was Randy Just Moss. New Orleans, yeah. You know, and, and so it, it's the system, and you got to be disciplined within the system, and you got to have a quarterback who knows his reads, who can get rid of the ball accurately and quickly, and then you'll have success. And, and along with Josh, the thing that impressed me the most, it wasn't just offensively that he knew everything. It was defensively. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the, 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 everything that he knew as far as if we do the little things, we'll win. Everything he said before the game, if we accomplish those things, we won every game. Yeah, it sounds like as if it's more of a thing of, even with Bill Belichick, 
when you run cover three, you run cover two, you play two man, it's the why factor of what they're trying to accomplish. And it sounds as if you're saying Josh McDaniel was ahead of the curve in a sense of in those cover threes, he knew what routes to call. In those cover threes, he knew the pass and maybe the check to the run play if they were rocking down to a certain side of the field. So is that what you're alluding to far as he knew what you were trying to do before you actually called it because he understood the principles of cover two, cover three, and man coverage? Exactly. And, and when you watch the tape and you break it down, you're, you're in the film room after the game you know exactly where the ball should go. So you know if the quarterback made a mistake or not. You were that informed. He educated you that much in the offense that everybody knew two men that the slot is probably supposed to get the ball. Right. So it was little things like that that, that, get, that made our football knowledge better, that helped us become better football players and, and play better than we probably should have been playing. Right. Eddie, let's wrap it up with the big picture. What do you think Sunday's game might come down to? Who do you like when we get to Super Bowl Sunday? I say it comes down to the last drive of the game. Uh, Tom Brady trying to go down and win the game against a, a tough Philadelphia defense, and I actually think they'll come up with a stop. Whoa! Yeah, I, I think they'll All come the up upset. with a stop, and, and I think Philly wins it. Uh, I, I like Philly a lot. I like this team, how, how they play like a family, and I, I think they'll come up with a big stop to win the game. Nice. nice. We'll see how it plays out when we get to the game on Sunday. Thanks so much for stopping by. Great to see you today on the NFL on TuneIn. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. All you want to do is listen to TuneIn live from Radio Row, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC35 Wireless Headphones 2. All you need to do is flip the switch, and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 Headphones 2 are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life, Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones to today. Bose, official sound of Super Bowl 52. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's take one more trip back to Radio Row in Minnesota for our coverage of Super Bowl 52. Good friend Mike Wobshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network, Vikings team channel here on TuneIn. He's been kind enough to join us on a weekly basis over the span of the last three months. And we started the conversation by asking Mike, if he had bounced back emotionally from that gut-wrenching loss for Viking fans in the NFC title game. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you being blunt. (laughs) This is terrible. Walking around here, seeing this supposed to be Vikings logos up here. I don't see any of them. Yeah. I mean, but uh, (laughs) when you watch that game against Philadelphia, how unorthodox was that? I mean, we've seen him play against Carolina and struggled. We've seen him struggle many other times before, but not to the extent to where it looks as if the team did not belong on the same football field I know. as Philadelphia. It's inexplicable, I think. I, I, I don't think there's an explanation for it, and I don't think it was an emotional come down from the victory over New yep. Orleans mm-hmm. because they came out and scored on the first 75-yard dr- touchdown drive, 7-0. Defense comes out, and the Eagles get a first down on their first play, but then go three and out and punt, and we got the ball. Up 7-0 with the ball on the road, NFC title game. So I don't think they were flat. I, I, I think the one thing that does get lost, and I think you will appreciate this, having played the game, is Philadelphia played great. Very. And, and yes, the Vikings were uncharacteristic, and they made mistakes, and they didn't play well. But I don't know if anybody would have beaten the Eagles that day. 
Chatting with our good friend Mike Wobshaw, Vikings Entertainment Network, Vikings Team Channel here on TuneIn. Mike, as you think about Nick Foles, the word of the program that I use, Lou, of outlier aberration. Was that a one-off? Was that a fluke? Do you think he can duplicate what he did against your Vikings? We get to Sunday against the Patriots. Well, I think he had a career game. Um, so I don't know that he can do 300 and some passing yards or whatever, but let's, you know, Doug Peterson, career backup, Frank Reich, career backup, and Nick Foles, for the most part, has been a backup. These guys know how to construct a plan to win the game with the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they can do it again. I think they can do it to New England. And, and I think a big part of it is their offensive line. I mean, I came away really impressed with those guys. I thought, you know, when we played the Carolina Panthers guys earlier um, in December, I thought that they did a great job with their their offensive line and defensive line. And mm-hmm. it, I think they probably did the best against us all season until the Eagles did what they did. I thought they won on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And it won't surprise me if they do it to the Patriots. I don't know if they'll beat the Patriots, but I don't think that Nick Foles is going to hold the Eagles back from winning the game. Well, now I think, you know, in all fairness, you deserve a horn. Can we get some horns for Mike since we're here in his city so that we can talk about his Minnesota? You might Vikings have to do it manually, Corey. How would that go? Oh, this is perfect. for you. And talking about my guy, <laughs> there it is. I love Case it. Keenum. Yes. It doesn't stop me. And it's still here. Mike, here well we go. Well done. Tell me about that guy in Case Keenum. Be mm. honest with me. How do they handle the quarterback position? Because they're, they're between a rock and a hard place. I mean, you love Sam Bradford, but he can't stay healthy. Teddy Bridgewater, can he do what the other quarterbacks have done in this time? That answer is no in a sense of throwing the football. Case Keenum, is he a long-term quarterback? I could jump on a bad wagon to say no, but how do you handle this yeah. upcoming season in 2018? And here's, here's another twist to it. Let's ask the offensive coordinator what he thinks. Oh, wait. Who is that guy? We don't have one Pat yet. in New York right? now. You know, so I think, that, I think that matters too. Yep. Um, and, and you certainly cannot blame Case Keenum for wanting to hit the free agent market before he decides. You know, um, now the one thing I would say about that is with all these people saying all these nice things about the incoming class of quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Rosen and the kid from USC. Sam Darnold. Um, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Like, you, you, I don't know if free agency is a great spot to be for a quarterback either because remember last year, all the free agent running backs, they hit the market and they're like, all right, I can't wait to see what we're going to get. Right. It happened to be the best running back class ever mm-hmm. coming out in the draft, and it's that really big. hurt the market. So it would be interesting to see how these quarterbacks handle their side of the, of the coin as well. For the Vikings – you know, I think you can't blame them for wanting Case back. I mean, he won 12 games. Yeah. You know, it took care of the ball. But we all know how Teddy or uh, how Zim feels about Teddy, right? Yeah. He loves Teddy. Drafted him, guided him to an 11-5 record, and, and won the division. I don't think the team knows for sure what it's going to do yet. So it's that, a tough place. That makes it a, a, you know, a hard question for us to answer right mm-hmm. here. And I'm not ruling Sam Bradford out either. I mean, when, they, when he is healthy, he's probably I got the him. best I arm. like him a lot. I like him a lot. I mean, yeah. just as much as Case Keenum, I like a Sam Bradford. But the problem is, is he, if he's had his knee surgically repaired twice, yeah. and now we're calling the bone bruise, mm-hmm. he's got to get any younger. Yeah. How do you gauge that? Because that's one of the tougher injuries to have, especially if you keep reoccurring yeah. for it to be harmful to how you feel. I think everyone's going to get into the dollar value, like what's it take to get that guy back and is he worth it? And I think 
you know, if I if they tasked me with managing the quarterback position for the Vikings going into 2018, which Vikings fans should take solace in the fact of knowing they won't ask me I'm to do it. I'm looking at the card. It Get, does not say GM. It right, says no, Mike Wobshaw, so, Vikings Entertainment right. Network, Vikings Team Channel here on TuneIn. There you go. So they won't <laughs> ask me what I think. But if they did, here's what I'd say. Forget about dollar values and who's getting how much. Think of it as the situation. And what do you want the situation to be? Mm-hmm. I think you want, we have a reliable veteran who we know can win games and we want a guy for the future. And if you can get that for $25 million or $28 million, Okay, because Case Keenum might cost you 25 alone if you use right. the franchise So tag. now if you draft someone and they're on that cheap rookie contract, I think you're in business. Right. If you can just get a veteran in there. Because you're at the latter part of the first round, too. So it's, not yes. it's going to be cost effective. Exactly. In yeah. Exactly right. And I just think if you look at it as a situation, throw the names out and um, the resumes out and the dollar value out. For about $30 million, what do you want? You want a reliable veteran. You want a developmental guy. And if the Vikings can come out of the offseason with that, then I think that they've won. Mike, we were talking about the processing of emotions and knowing that grief has step-by-step-by-step progression. Where is this region? You're not speaking for the entire state, but how challenging is it to know Everyone's here. There's a big game coming up, and you guys came within one game of making history. First yeah. team ever to play in the Super Bowl on your home field. Yeah, th- th- we're not through it yet. You know, we're, I don't know what stage we're on. <laughs> acceptance? Like, How far along are no, we? No, we are not there yet. So I don't know what stage acceptance is, but we're not to that stage yet. Um, hopefully, we're beyond uh, the tear others down to build yourself up stage because we don't want to get nasty here. We want to be Everyone's nice been lovely at the okay, hotel good. and here okay. at the mall. Good. That's good. I think we're getting there. I think the Super Bowl has got to be done before we can totally move on, you know, because for many years, not just one season, for many years since Minneapolis and St. Paul got the bid, the dream was let's play in that game. We got Zim. We got Teddy. We got a great defense. We had a great free agency. Your favorite on the road. Yeah, I mean, right. So, like, everything was falling into line. So uh, I think you got to get beyond the Super Bowl, and I think you got to, like, I'll see you guys at the Combine in India. And I think it's, we'll, almost, it's almost like you, I don't want to say you wish you didn't win, but if you'd have just ended the season without going to the postseason, it'd probably feel a little bit better, <laughs> For right? For sure, yeah. But, well, that one, would you rather come this close right. or not have yeah, well, any shot whatsoever? Uh, well, this is an interesting topic, I think. In, in 2009, we got our hearts ripped out by the Saints in, a, in an overtime loss. I thought that game was much tougher to get over than getting blown out. The caveat is the Super Bowl is here this year. Mm-hmm. So that is what's been making it tough. I remember we had a player come to our team, uh, came from the Rams, and he was accustomed to going 2-14, and 3-13. and 13. Came to Pittsburgh in his first year. We went 13-3 and three and went to the AFC Championship game. And he's sitting by his locker, man, and we, we kind of just in that moment of not knowing for sure what to do. You know, you don't know if you should be mad, if you should be happy, because we accomplished a lot. Yeah. And a lot of our guys went to the Pro Bowl that year. And he's like, man, you know what? It almost felt better going three and thirteen, as opposed to being thirteen and three and getting that close and losing a game by three or so points. Yeah. To know that now, you guys here in Minnesota, <laughs> the game is being played in your dome. Yeah. And you can't even have an opportunity to do it. So I, 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 I remember that feeling of being thirteen and three uh-huh. and not getting to a championship twice. And this guy, one of my teammates, saying we were three and thirteen a year prior. Yeah. But to have it in your city, and you had the best year overall, probably since what? The Purple People Leaders, maybe? Back to 2009, yeah. maybe? Yeah. I'm sorry. 
Mike, you know, can we give Mike the horns? You're one making more time? him feel even just better, to make Cordell. Phil just a little bit better. Very magnanimous of you. I love the one. He can help you I'm snap just, out of a funk. I'm, just, I'm, right. I'm sorry. Like I'm my sorry. man, Cordell. Well, hey, Stewart. he's going to be in the funk all week until after the game. Am I, mean, I right, Mike? It's going to be hard. Oh, for yeah. Week. The game's got to be over before we get out of this yeah, thing. Yeah, so we like, try to give you a little tribute we, by giving you some horns. When I see you guys in Indianapolis, if I'm not better, you got to call some help. Okay. Dr. Phil will join us when we go to Indiana. Last question. Yeah. It's not just good radio, it's the law. Who do you like who's going to win on Sunday? I like I came away so impressed with the Eagles up front offensive and defensive line and you know what we went back and watched all of our passes in that Eagles game I went back nobody was open so their secondary must be good too I don't know how the Patriots are going to get out of this you know but yet it is still Brady and Belichick so I think at the end of the day in a tight game I would pick the Patriots but I think it will be close I think it's um, I think the spread is too wide it's going to be a close game it'll come down in the last couple minutes I, I, I do think the Patriots will win but I did come away impressed with the Eagles and again I want to say the one thing that gets lost on the NFC championship game is how well the Eagles played I don't know if there are many teams that would have beat them that night game. Probably the best game of the year. For them, That's why it's at the end of the season. Unlike Daytona, when they start NASCAR with the premier event, but that's for our podcast, Under the Hood with K-Stew and B-Web. Mike, you've been a huge part of this program, so I want to personally thank you for your availability every week, every step of the way. Great to see you in person. Look forward to chatting with you again at the Combine. And I'm told there's everything available at this mall. There's probably a grief counselor just down there (laughs) past the Shake Shack if you need some help. They're there to just put out a lending arm to you, all right? I might just go ride some roller coasters. Even instead. better. Yeah. Shake it off. Thank you, Michael. Thank you guys for having me on all season. Fun chatting with Thank you guys. Thank you so much, all Mike. Right. See you. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.